I was at the doctor the other day and she prescribed me PrEP. What's that? PrEP is a daily pill I take to prevent HIV. Oh, I think I've heard of that, but I didn't know it was for women. PrEP is for anyone who is concerned about their risk of getting HIV. Women can take it too. Why did you decide to start taking it? I just love that there is something I can do to prevent HIV for myself. PrEP puts me in control of my sexual health. I'm glad I talked to my doctor about it. To find a local health provider you can talk to about PrEP, visit cdc.gov stop HIV together slash prevention and let's stop HIV together. That moment when you realize you've got a plumbing problem, a real pipe bursting, clogged up tight, somebody get all the towels, full on flush fiasco, but fear not, there's an expert for that. Trust your local plumbing experts at Parker Pierce Service Experts and save $50 off any plumbing repair. Plumbing problemos? There's an expert for that. Call Parker Pierce Service Experts at 866-EXPERTS. See website for license details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special solo episode of the Hammerlock Hangover. This is Jeff. There's no Steve. Steve's in, well, he's on assignment. Um, and I apologize for us not putting out shows more recently. Um, last Thursday, that was me. I just wasn't able to do a podcast. Um, so we didn't get one before SummerSlam. We wanted to. Uh, we've been trying to get more consistent, and uh, hopefully we will be in the future. Um, but the summer has been, you know, it's just been one of those things where it's been alternating issues for us. Um, hard to coordinate. Anyway, enough about that. We're not gone. It's very important that we have some consistency and, and continue to give you content because we do have a pretty loyal follower shoot. And whenever we are consistent in dropping shows, it grows, which is great. That's what we want. Um, so I wanted to get you some contact content solo or otherwise. This is being recorded Monday evening before Raw, but after SummerSlam. So we're going to talk a little bit about SummerSlam. We're going to talk about some other stuff. Now, on the last episode, I gave what I call breaking news about the Warner Brothers Discovery contract with AW and television and all of that. I'm not going to repeat all that. You can listen to the prior episode or two episodes ago for that. And certainly if you want my views and thoughts on many of the individual wrestling shows of the week uh, or the last two weeks, uh, you can check out the shows on the PWC network. Um, I'm on pretty much all of those shows uh, or a lot of them anyway. Uh, And uh, a lot of those that are on Humming Media Group and and the ones I'm on Humming Media Group end up on the PWC just after a three or four day delay. So, um, So even if they're not up yet, on PWC, and if you don't feel like spending five dollars for Hamin Media Group, uh, they'll be there shortly. And we did uh, so. There'll be a couple of Smack attacks. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff, including Smack uh, SummerSlam predictions, where you could see what I got wrong and why I got it wrong, what I got right, and how right I got it, etc. Um, and then uh, Wreckage is dedicated almost exclusively to Collision and Uncaged is dedicated almost exclusively to Rampage. So I don't think I've been on any of the uncages since last time we all uh, con- uh, convened, you and I, friends. Um, anyway, there's still been no announcement from Warner Brothers Discovery. Does that make me 
uneasy with what I broke as news. Yes. Um, is it very strange that there has not been any announcement about a new contract and the details in what has it been seven weeks since collision started? Extremely. I mean, we heard about the contract extension almost immediately, including the details, including that there was going to be a second show. I mean, we had the news about that 10 months before Rampage ever started. For a while, people thought Battle of the Belts was the second show. Um, did I reach out to my source? Yes. And he stands by the fact that his source stands by it. So uh, hopefully later in the week, I will get confirmation or confirmation that it was premature or not correct. Uh, but as long as my source stands by it, um, it's been good before. His source is in the executive suite, so we continue to stand by it. And all I can say is that we continue not to get any, any information to the contrary. Um, and I would cite that that in and of itself is unusual. There's been some other stuff before we talk about SummerSlam that's been weird and some stuff that's occupied some space in the wrestling arena and in case you don't want to go back to the PWC shows or the Hummy Media Group shows or wherever else I've been, I did a, an appearance on Wrestling Super um, for like 15, 20 minutes one week. Um, it was on one of their collision, collision recap shows uh, one week as well, um, et cetera. As, as, if you don't want to check those, those things, I just want to touch on some of the major stuff or stuff that's been made to be thought of as major. One, the Cody documentary. I watched it today. Um, I didn't. I wasn't in any rush to watch it, but I watched it today. Two hours long. Yeah, I agree. It was well done, and there were parts I really enjoyed. But man, two hours for a guy who's thirty-eight who's still alive. That's <laughs> that seemed to me to be uh, about a half hour of too much time. I I was sort of bored or wishing it would speed up a, li a little bit. Uh, I haven't heard anyone else say that, so maybe I'm just persnickety. But I I, yeah, I agree it was well done. But the the thing that made news was the Triple H statement that he, Cody didn't want to grow up to be champion of a secondary promotion. And of course, Tony Khan's response to that. Okay. What was Triple H supposed to say? I mean, do I think he rehearsed and prepared that statement? I'm not entirely sure he did or didn't. I don't really know. I don't have any insight into that. However, what should he said? The secondary promotion? That might have been more accurate than a secondary promotion. I mean, there aren't any other secondary promotions, although there are New Japan fans out there who continue to tell me the New Japan is number two in the world. So maybe they are a secondary promotion. Should you said a minor competitor? Because frankly, that's what they are. Um, he certainly wasn't going to say a competitor or a competing promotion. So what do you expect Triple H to say? And in contrast, in response, did I think Tony Khan's response was a little bit silly? Yes. But what do you expect him to say? He's going to bat for his company. Big deal. So, you know, Tony Khan does what Tony Khan often does. And there's a few things that he's good at. And one of them is he's very good at taking whatever question somebody asks of him and answering something entirely different and making it about a sales pitch to promote whatever AEW is doing right now in the near term. And that is a pretty good skill for a salesperson and a politician. So credit him. So he said, we're not secondary in Wembley. We're not secondary in, in the UK. And, and there's some facts to back that up. I mean, I think their TV contract is better in the in the UK and they get more viewers at the moment. Will that always be the case? You know, who knows? Whatever WWE's next TV contract in the, in the UK determines. 
certainly they did well in the recent London shows and Cardiff and Wales. And if WrestleMania was in Wembley, yeah, I'm pretty sure they could break whatever records All In is going to break. And and I remain skeptical that uh, all of those tickets were sold and that all of those tickets will end up with butts in the seat, as they say. Anyway, so Tony Khan said we're number one in the UK, basically. And I think he said at All Out, so I, I think he meant Chicago. Um, I'm not sure that they're not the number two promotion in Chicago. I think they actually still are the number two promotion in Chicago. Um, that said, when you have two locales that you can point to to say where you're number one, definitionally you're the number two promotion. Um, in any event, I don't think there's any shame in it. It's a company that's about four years old. I think they just set, celebrated their four-year anniversary of, of formation. Um, and maybe by this, at this point in time, four years ago, they might have done their first three pay-per-views or their, you know, maybe two and they were getting up to fight for the fallen. Um, I, I think they probably had done two. Anyway, to four years later to be the number two promotion. I mean, they might have been the number two promotion from day one. I mean, because of the investment and all that, but they're certainly the number two promotion in my mind, at least in North America. And, and that's really where this show is centric. I mean... Both Steve and I live in the U.S., so of course that's what we're focusing on more than than Japan. No disrespect to Japan or Japanese wrestling, um, but that's that's not really what we focus on here. Anyway, so that was that. Um, there was also some information on Vince McMahon. There was a search warrant executed on his premises uh, for a grand jury. Now, people were saying he was subpoenaed to a grand jury. I don't think that he was subpoenaed to, to a grand jury. I think that the search warrant was executed pursuant to a grand jury. I don't think that he's been called to testify on anything. I'm not sure about that. I haven't checked. Um, I know it's a subtle difference, and the search warrant may well lead to that. Um, people have been speculating wildly on what this is all about. They think it's something new. They think it has something to do with Trump, with campaigns. They think it has to do with the sexual uh, assaults, allegedly. Um, and to an extent it does, but not like there's going to be rape or sexual assault charges. Those, if they occurred at all, occurred in states. And those would be state offenses, not federal offenses, unless they occurred on a military base or the post office or some federal enclave. Um, what I strongly suspect this is, is securities violations, SEC type of, of white-collar crimes. Um, I've talked about them before for new listeners who didn't hear me talk about this probably more than once on this show, several times on the PWC, and also a special Mash with Mish on the Wrestling Soup Network, which thank you for still hosting us and being patient, um, and also hosting my other shows, Garden of Doom and Garden Views. Please check those out. Um, what happened is when Vince McMahon and... John Laurinaitis allegedly had inappropriate sexual conduct with women in the workplace um, of various degrees over a span of years. And when Vince McMahon, through his attorney, Jerry McDivitt, absorbed it all, kept it out of the public, kept it away from the company, made it so that the company didn't know, and, and settled it with his own money and had the women signed non-disclosure agreements, and he settled those civil 
cases himself against himself and against John Laurinaitis and in his mind against the com- a company, I'm sorry, the company World Wrestling Entertainment, which he did. The, the, the releases included World Wrestling Entertainment and he's the, the chairman and the major stockholder and Jerry McDivitz has been their attorney before. So there's, it was nothing really done wrong on that side of things, whether or not you believe the underlying behavior occurred or not, or whether or not you believe the underlying uh, behavior was so repugnant or rises to criminal or, or whatever. We, we frankly don't know details. In any event, they still hid it from the company itself, the board of directors, and the market. And that's what, what's really here. So just look at it this way. If Mark Zuckerberg had four sexual misconduct allegations against him from employees or really anybody, it would hurt the stock of Meta Facebook. Because of course it would. He's in trouble. So it would affect the stock. So if he kept it secret, even though he resolves it otherwise, he keeps it secret and he kept it from the market. So he protected the stock. But that protection of the stock, that is misleading the market as well in short-term, medium-term, and long-term decisions. It doesn't matter that it came out okay in the end. It doesn't matter if the stock is doing great today. All that matters is that it held, it withheld major liabilities from the marketplace, and those are violations. Those are securities violations. It's supposed to be a free market, and that kind of liability must be disclosed to the shareholders and through public meetings and through public prospectuses, prospecti, to the general public, any, any investors or potential investors, really anybody who is interested. And that's the price of being a publicly traded company. So that's what I think this is about. And those are offenses. Those are real offenses. And people go to prison over those, um, including older people. Now, I don't know about 78-year-olds or currently 77-year-olds who just had spinal surgery, but you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with it. But that's what I suspect this was tied to. So obviously more to come in, in the future. All right. Last bit of little gossip, and then we'll get into SummerSlam, and then we'll just talk about news and notes. I don't intend to do a two-hour solo show. I don't think any of you want to hear that. Um, I just want to, you know, give you my takes on some things. Um, so Lufisto, uh, indie wrestler with, you know, about a two-decade-long career, uh, well-respected, well-thought-of, well-traveled. Um, you know, apparently she tried out for AEW a couple times and, you know, couldn't really get any response from Tony Khan. Uh, he avoided her a few times. Um, and then she reported in a, in a long series of tweets directly from her and confirmed in an interview she gave to Fightful, I think to Sean Ross Sapp, but I don't know, to, to, to Fightful, um, basically said that there's a, you know, there's a bunch of mean girls in the locker room and they sort of bully the others. And some of the girls have been, women have been bullied and some of them are afraid to say anything. And then, of course, others benefit from this. Um, you know, we've talked about this before This, you know, it, I suspect that everybody made up their mind as to whether or not she was telling the truth or not based on their fandom of AEW. You know, the moment they heard her say it, they either, you know, thought it was sour grapes or believed it 100%. And if you believed it, you probably remembered Kaylee Ray, you probably remembered uh, Sadie Gibbs, you probably remember Big Swole, obviously Thunder Rosa still going on, uh, rumors about, you know, Kiara Hogan, Diamante, some others who we've, you know, sort of disappeared for the most part, but now we've seen them both on collision and 
Diamante at least seems to be part of a, a short-term program. Um, you know, but it was kind of weird how all of a sudden, like within, I don't know, one or two hours, there was like a bevy of like, like, like the ant queen sent out an instruction to all of the uh, worker ants to all send out a tweet in defense or Zeta exagram in defense of the women's division and Tony Khan and all things AW with regards to women. This was on the heels, by the way, the whole thing of that sign that said, uh, book the, the women's division better that was caught on dynamite. And for whatever reason, the cameraman, cameraman caught, kept it there. And the person who held up the sign, I guess, had the wherewithal or foresight or was just a chicken, whatever it was, to wear a ski mask over their face, a balaclava. Uh, so nobody knows who he or she was, and apparently they had, they're looking for him or her. Anyway, uh, so th- this was all on the heels of that. I, I guess maybe that emboldened Mephisto. I'm not sure. Um, and whether you think the AW women's division was booked well or not, that you know, I'm, I'm not even here to talk about that. I, I you know, I, 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 you know, whether you think any part of it is booked well, uh, the collision is booked pretty well. Uh, I mean, that's also up for debate, and that's not what I want to talk about either. So. All of a sudden, within like a two-hour period, there were defensive tweets from Soraya, Ruby Soho, Madison Rain, uh, Taya Conti, uh, Taya Valkyrie, uh, sorry, Ty Conti, uh, Ty Mello, uh, <laughs> Taya Valkyrie. Um, I don't know, just a just a host of uh, you know supportive uh, emails just, uh, and and exagrams and and def- you know defense, all saying the same thing, you know, all in lockstep. It was very. It was very cultish. Um, now, I'm giggling, but as it turns out, Lufisto took so much grief from this that she had to, she felt she had to deactivate her, her X account, Twitter account, X formerly known as Twitter, the app formerly known as Twitter. Um, I don't know about other social media. Uh, and apparently she's canceled a bunch of her uh, indie bookings as well as a result of this. I don't know if she doesn't feel safe or if they don't want her anymore or whatever. I, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, basically she got bullied uh, at a wrestling for at least the, the near term, which is sort of sucky for speaking her mind. And in the midst of this, Dustin um, tweeted to her, basically said, basically insinuating that, that he was there for her tryout and he must have been one of the judges or whatever. And that she stunk that, you know, they didn't really want to give tough love. They just figured no news. That would be the message that she wasn't good enough to be there, which listen, I am not going to pretend to you that I've ever seen Lefisto wrestle. And I'm not going to pretend to you that just because you've wrestled for 20 years, it makes you a good wrestler. Look at Madison rain. Who's a coach at on AW right now. She is not a good wrestler. Um, and I'm sure that there's plenty of others that, that, that we can talk about. I have heard that she's a good wrestler. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to comment on that. To say she's not good enough to, for the AEW locker room to be a coach, that's a little bit tough to believe because they got some a lot of green women in there. Um, and I, I just have to believe that she could teach them something, you know, at least just like learning how to travel on the road and how to get through it. But anyway, Dustin basically said, you suck. That was tough love. Hashtag keep stepping which sounds like a dick hashtag, and it is a dick hashtag. And, you know, Dustin is sort of a curmudgeon guy. That's sort of his reputation. But in fairness to him, I think, I think all of his exagrams, tweets, do end with hashtag keep stepping. So in his mind, I, th- I think that's his, you know, much love or his, you know, he thinks it's inspirational or keep grinding. 
So I don't think he meant it in any sort of obnoxious way to or the, the hashtag itself. I think that's just like his, what he always uses. All right. So I don't really want to talk too much more about that. Um, Conan made a couple of interesting statements in the last few weeks. Starting with today, he said that AAA is going to make a big push to get a, get, do, make, make big moves in the United States in 2024. And they're going to try to get a TV contract and, and they're really going to try to make inroads into the U.S. Okay, Conan. Great idea. It hasn't worked for New Japan. It hasn't worked for New Japan Strong. Uh, every other promotion is on the decline. You're about five years too late. Like maybe on the heels of Lucha Underground before AW existed, you would have had a shot. But this is crazy to do it now. There's no audience for it. If they want to see Luchadors, they can watch the three episodes of AW per week. They could subscribe and watch Ring of Honor. Um, heck, you, you can even get Luchadors on, on WWE and NXT. So, you know, and MLW, really anywhere. I mean, there's there's no need. I mean, the best Luchadors are here in Phoenix, in Penta, um, Santos Escobar, obviously, Rey Mysterio. Um, you've got Bandito, who's injured, but here. Uh, El Hijo de Vikingo, who everyone seems to love. Uh, no matter what you, uh, you know, w- whatever people think of him, and even though he hasn't signed with AEW, he's been on their TV plenty. Commander signed by AEW, whatever you think of them, him, he's on there plenty. Um, th- there's there's no shortage of luchadors. We see we've seen Gravity, <laughs> we see Roosh, Dralistico. Yeah, I could go on and on with with all that until, until we run out, but. I mean, you know, Conan, not a great idea. Also, he said that uh, Jay White's booking has been bad in AEW. I would say that he was right probably until a couple a couple months ago. His booking was bad on, on Dynamite, where he's just like part of a swarm and barely making an impact. But on Collision, in the beginning, it was mostly tag team stuff and, and whatnot, but he was clearly put in the top tier heel slot, you know, sort of against the... CM Punk FTR crowd. So he was put in the top slot. And then since then, they've really carved him out. Literally, they have a cardboard cutout of him as as the single star, as the leader, as the top guy. So Conan, if you had said this eight weeks ago, I probably would have agreed with you. But since then, uh, and, and based on the time that you said it, I have to uh, respectfully disagree with you. On your ideas about expanding AAA into, into the U.S., yeah, I don't think there's any appetite for it. I don't think there's any market. I, I don't, I don't know. There's a reason you've needed a lot of GoFundMe's over the year. Last thing he said, I do agree with because I've turned complete heel on this guy. Is he said Bray Wyatt is should be released? He's too much trouble. I don't know all that's going on with Bray Wyatt. They keep talking about his health. Nobody's saying what's wrong with him. So everyone surmises it's his mental health, and I'm one of those that's jumped to that conclusion too. I don't really know, but that's what I suspect. If he still can't really function. I think Conan's 100% right. You know, I, I you know, the, the guy gets three, three and a half million dollars a year to, to, you know, to do nothing. And what he did do, let, let's face it, it was a meandering mess. Um, and while I tried to enjoy parts of it and did enjoy parts of it, it was slow, it was awkward. And there's a lot of people who don't like spooky, you know, occult kind of characters anyway. They think they're played out or they just don't like him uh, or they didn't like The Fiend. So, it, you know, 
it seemed to get a good fan reaction, but it wasn't going anywhere. And, you know, he broke his finger and then he can't function. I, I think Conan's right. It's more trouble than he's worth. They have plenty of people who they're not focusing on that they can focus on. And they've got Cross, who's sort of a cult and sort of like a methodical killer type of character uh, that they could focus on if they wanted to. He's also got the girl. He also looks better. Uh, they have Dexter Loomis, who I haven't seen on TV for a while, who's also a methodical, you know, uh, you know, sort of physical killer type of wrestler. I know right now he's positioned as a face, but he's been a, a Dexter-like stalker in the past. He can certainly be a heel. Um, and there's others, too. I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it. Roman is working about as slow as anybody I could think of as his solo. I mean, they've got plenty of people doing it, and they've got plenty of people in the NXT system, and they've got plenty of people that we haven't seen on TV. I mean, we, we haven't seen the Sanga Maniacs on TV. We don't know what's going on with the Creed brothers. Well, when, you know, we we haven't really seen Lashley wrestle in ages. We're not exactly sure what's going on with that crew. Almost, uh, you know, was off of TV for about 10 weeks. I know he got married, but then he shows up at the at SummerSlam for the Battle Royal. But we haven't seen much of him. I mean, I'm not saying that I want to see these guys necessarily, but there's people like Dolph Ziggler who haven't been on TV very much. Um, they've had to send people to NXT to do some programs, like a Baron Corbin, like a Drew Gulak, um, Los Lotharios. But if you think about this, there's, I mean, when's the last time you actually saw the tag team Legato del Fantasma as opposed to just Santos or Ray on TV? I mean, there, there's... Lots of people, Shelton and Cedric, haven't been on very much. Apollo Crews barely on. Um, you know, there, there's. When's the last time you saw Elias? Rick Boogs was in in the Battle Raw, but that's about it. And not that he's been doing anything, but Riddick Moss too. I mean, I'm just saying that there's there's people that they could try to do that. Vince Russo give everyone a story. You know, women's wrestling. We haven't seen much from Nikki Cross and the thing with Candice LeRae. We haven't seen much with Andy Hartwell, Tegan Knox, Emma. Uh, it goes on. We still don't know where Alaya is or Leah, however she pronounces her name, but she's still on the roster as far as I know. Dana Brooke, they sent to um, NXT. The Unholy Union. They came up. They they had a couple good matches. They they lost to Shayna and, and Ronda, and then Ronda decided to leave wrestling, we think, we hope. Uh, lost her match at uh, SummerSlam. Maybe we'll never see her again on wrestling. Cool. Um, and now we learned today that Sonya Deville uh, tore ACL about 10 days ago in a wrestling match, and she's going to get surgery. And so, you know, the, the, this women tag team, that we, we had Raquel and Liv as tag team champions, but Liv got injured, so they had to do a switch there. Um, and now Sonya Deville is injured, so they're going to address that tonight in Raw, but I can't see how her and Chelsea Green can keep these titles. Maybe they'll allow Chelsea to have a substitute, which they seem to have allowed a few times in, in, uh, in recent days. Um, but you know, we, the point being is that there are, there's plenty of people we haven't seen. Like Zia Lee, where's she been? Lacey Evans, she's had stops and starts, but you know, if, if we, you don't need the amount of time required for a Bray Wyatt program the amount of TV time he needs, the amount, the amount of story time, storytelling and world building time he needs, if he's not reliable, when you can try to do things with lots of other people, giving them shorter segments, getting more people on TV and seeing what works um, or just keeping them in reserve. I mean, frankly, the, you know, I think they need more variety. They, they need to move away from 
you know, having the same person or faction on three or four times an episode. Um, all right. So that, that's some, sort of the gossip. Let's get into SummerSlam. So SummerSlam, Detroit, they sold, what, 59,000 tickets or, or they had a reported 59,194 people in there. Pretty good size crowd. Uh, crowd had pretty good energy when they were up. They had no energy when they were down. Um, they were very inconsistent. Um, except during the women's matches, they were, pretty in, they were pretty consistently down during both of those until the cash-in time in, in the women's triple threat. Everyone loves a cash-in. But they were also dead during the Finn Balor-Seth Rollins match until Damian Priest uh, came, came to the ring. Then they got up. But before that, they were dead. And by the end of the night, they were dead. And I get it, it's late, but it's... It, you know, it's, it's it's your main event. It's your Roman Reigns. It's your tribal chief. The the undisputed title, the universal title, is on the line as well as tribal chiefdom, whatever that means. And we'll and we'll get to that. But the crowd was sort of up and down. If I was WWE, I, I wouldn't be rushing back to Detroit anytime soon for a, a major show. They've been having much more luck with the international audiences. And I don't know if we reported this last time, but there's going to be a show in the next two or three months in India. Uh, now I think it's. In that, that city, Hyderabad, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but if it's the same venue, it was only a 5,000-seat venue. It wasn't going to be like a mega show or like a Saudi show where they're getting like $50 million. But maybe it's something different. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure who's on the card exactly yet, and I'm not sure if they're going to treat it as a PLA or they're just going to India for a show to, to you know give that market a little taste and see what else is going on. Um, what they're doing shows in, in Europe during the course of the fall, Germany, uh the UK, so some stuff like that. I, I might consider doing more of my PLEs uh, internationally where they seem to be getting huge pops, like, I don't know, go to Mexico City. I don't know, go to Tokyo, invade Tokyo, see what, see what happens there. Or if you don't want to go to Tokyo, go to Okinawa. I mean, there's 120 million people on the island of Japan, and they're wrestling fans. I'm sure they'd come out. Anyway, um, but they don't cheer. Is that right? Nah, okay. Uh, maybe if you tell them for American wrestling, you can be loud. Be as loud as you want. Maybe they'll get it out of their system. All right. So the first match was Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Um, I heard a lot of people saying how great a match this was. I don't think it was a great match. I don't think it was a bad match. By the way, this is sort of how I feel about SummerSlam generally. Like, if this was like Backlash or Fastlane or some secondary or tertiary PLE, I would have thought it was a, it was a good show. Not a great show, but a good show. But for SummerSlam, which is like second only to WrestleMania in canon maybe third to Royal Rumble if you're me. Um, I thought this was a letdown. I mean, last year's SummerSlam was a giant event. You had a lot of returns. I think Becky uh, was in a big spot. You had Bailey, Eo, and Dakota Kai came. You, you know, we first got introduced to Damage Control. Uh, there was all, they were surprised. I think Pat McAfee came out and had a match. There was all sorts of stuff going on. Um, this year, not really. I mean, you know, there were some returns, but not, you know, not like, I mean, sure, it's good to see Omos and an MVP again, but just for a battle royal. And, you know, again, we saw Rick Boogs and Apollo Crews and folks like that in the battle royal. But, you know, ha- hardly, you know, the big returns anybody was, exp- you know, hoping for. There was no rock, which I keep telling you that's not going to happen. But people keep wanting that to happen. And, and I get it. And, you know, and maybe before this is all said and done, and depending on how long the SAG AFTRA and the, uh, the Writers Guild strike, strikes continue maybe he will maybe he maybe he'll have the time and maybe his insurance companies will say all right as long as you keep it very tame anyway logan paul don't like the guy don't care for him i've said that that be careful probably need to cut ties but 
I don't control that world. And I'm going to try to separate the art from the artist. The rapidity at which he's picked up this or that he's a natural at it is amazing. He keeps adding new moves to his arsenal. Like he can work now. There's definitely times during this, this match where he and Ricochet had to improvise. And I tell you, I think Logan Paul generaled the match and worked it better than Ricochet. And his facial expressions when he yells to the crowd and interacts with the crowd. I mean, I know there's things he can do that other people can't do, but you know, he saw the kid with the C4 you know, uh, uh, thermos and he, and he you know, drank from that and then he poured it on, I think, Ricochet, who was you know, prone on the ground at the time. I mean, that, that, that's, you know, MJF does that and people say it's great. Logan Paul does it. It's great too. Um, and they're both young, but I mean, MJF, as, for as young as he is, this is what he's done for the last eight years or six years, whatever it's been. Logan Paul, no. I mean, you know, what's he up to? Like about a year and a half of training? And he's great. Just, I mean, he's just so naturally good. And he's, he's a big athletic looking guy. Um, and he's such a good heel. Anyway, I thought the match was okay. I expected them to do the Dragon Ball Z spot again, where they both like Chris, you know, leap at each other and, and collide midair from opposite ends of the ring. Uh, I don't know if they decided not to do it because <laughs> it was spontaneous and, you know, it's, or it's too hard to do, or, Maybe it hurt more than they wanted to, or they didn't want to. Logan Paul didn't want to risk another injury. I mean, he's had a couple injuries in in some of his matches. I don't blame any of that. Um, But he won by somebody in his entourage sneaking him brass knuckles. I swear it looked like Sami Zayn. Um, It obviously wasn't, though. And, you know, his his titanium-reinforced, reconstructed hand with the the brass knuckles caught Ricochet in the air and knocked him out, and he got a heel win. you know, maybe they thought Logan Paul needed a win. He had been going one and four, or I think he had only won one match against the Miz, and maybe they figured he would stop being an attraction if people knew he was going to lose every match. Um, maybe he has some sort of creative control. I mean, he was booked book pretty strong in the Royal Rumble. He was in the um, final three, if I remember correctly. Um, maybe they want to have another rematch. Maybe they want to roll it back again, um, which would be cool because this is certainly not a satisfactory end. Uh, I'm not sure what Braun Strowman's event horizon is for returning. So maybe they want to ricochet in him to have a trilogy, um, you know, and give Braun another six or seven months to come back. Um, I don't know. It, whatever it was, it, you know, this was good. It wasn't great. I, I was expecting more of the high flying, you know, you know, almost cartoon come to life. But as far as matches go, it was pretty good. I know I'm sounding like I didn't think it was that great. But I enjoyed it. It's not like I thought it was a bad match. It was a good opening match. The crowd was hot for it. You know, Logan wanted to get out of town to go accompany his brother in his uh, MMA or his boxing match, which apparently he won by a unanimous decision. So yay. And then the next match, which was, to me, was the match of the night, was Brock Lesnar against Cody Rhodes. Um, this is exactly how I diagnosed it on the PWC, that, that Brock Lesnar was going to be destroying Cody Rhodes for most of it, but Cody, something he was going to hulk up or Cody up or Rhodes up. And and he would and we'd win with the wrestling move. The wrestler would win with the wrestling move, um, and that's basically how it happened. But I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, I knew he wasn't going to submit Brock with the Kimura. That wasn't going to happen. I knew he wasn't going to do do a roll up or like a clever reversal of of leverage, where he you know basically got schoolboy like he got the win over Brock the first time. He got his shoulders down, sort of by surprise. One two three. I, I knew it was going to be real wrestling move and 
he hit him with three crossroads for the for the clean win. They were not the best crossroads I've seen. Brock is a really big guy, and Cody is a pretty lean guy. Uh, but I thought the match was great. And at the end, Brock, I really do think that this was unscripted. Even if it was scripted, it was done really well. Um, you know, Brock basically went up to a tentative Cody, shook his hand, gave him a hug, and basically did the whole coke with him. He, he, you know, he raised his arm, pointed to him with his other hand, you know, the Triple H, Daniel Bryan pose, you know, the typical one where the older wrestler shows the younger wrestler respect. I mean, there's only like six years between them, but still, it's Brock Lesnar. Um, and he, you know, made them face all four sides of the ring and, and did it, or three sides, you know, not the ramp side, maybe all four. Um, and the crowd acknowledged it, and Cody had a, this, like, smile on his face. Like, he looked like a kid who had just gotten, like, ice cream from the real-life Santa Claus. And, and so that was the only part that made me think was scripted because that that, that face was too little boyish uh, being happy. But maybe he was legitimately happy that Brock Lesnar, who's a legend in this business, he is. I mean, he, he's probably in my top ten of all time. Um, that Brock Lesnar did that unscripted. Or, he, listen, even if it was scripted, Brock doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. So either way, he was willing to do it, and and he looked like he did it enthusiastically, and that is a great vote of confidence um, for Cody, and sort of unexpected from Brock. No, completely unexpected from Brock. So listen, the funny thing is I've heard people trying to retrofit a story into the Brock Lesnar uh, beating up Cody all along, and you know, as you recall, I made up my little story, which was... I didn't say it was great, but it was a story basically in some that, you know, that, that, that Brock never believed that anyone else could be Roman before. And he didn't really care because he, he was getting his title match. But after he lost the, his title match at SummerSlam last year with the stipulation that he could never challenge for the belt again as long as Roman was champion, um, he didn't believe in any of the other challengers, but he bought into the Cody hype and Cody let him down. So Cody didn't just screw Cody. He also screwed Brock because Brock knows he can beat Cody for the belt. So that was the story I came up with. It never happened. Meanwhile, I've heard some pretty prominent podcasters put forward that theory of the story now, the the one I did weeks and weeks ago, several times on several several forms, which probably got around to some of those people anyway. Anyhow, I didn't say it was good, but it was something. I don't even think that's what I think right now from from what we just got. I, I, I think the inference is, and I, I don't think there'll ever be any clarity. Watch it in, in a half hour when Raw goes on that, you know, Brock, you know, has a promo uh, that, that explains. So I don't think so. I think Brock is gone for a while. I, I don't think we'll see Brock again until, you know, the Royal Rumble or something like that. Anyway, so I, I think, though, from the actions, the story is he didn't respect Cody. He, didn't, he never respected him at all. He didn't think he deserved the spot. But now through trial by combat, he, he now respects Cody and he and he showed the world his respect and he showed Cody his respect. Um, and that's the story. It's like Japanese wrestling. It was all told in the ring. There's no words to it. And I, I think that's the story and you're going to either have to accept it or not. And next Cody's going to move on to something else. Which brings me to a little tidbit of news, by the way. You know, we were told that WWE was having a hiring freeze. And, you know, I always said that's that's bunk. It's... it's uh, if there's a freeze, it's about corporate staff, employees of WWE, you know, so that the, the, when the two companies do finally merge, they can sort of get rid of redundancies and increase efficiencies, et cetera. It wasn't about talent. 
And there were a couple signings. Logan Paul got a signing. We're not sure about Drew McIntyre. And we're going to get to that too, because I'm not sure about Drew McIntyre. Um, there might have been one signing in the interim. And then, you know, there are people about FTR resigned with AEW, Jay White signed with AEW, um, the Elite resigned with AEW, and, and everyone's reporting that WWE was interested in all of them, and another one got away. I'm not sure that WWE was ever interested in any of them. None of them were ever out of contract. Um, Well, JY was, but the others were never out of contract. So WWE couldn't have even expressed interest to them. They couldn't have negotiated with them. They couldn't have made them an offer. Um, So, uh, and, you know, me and Steve have had this argument before. and, And actually, it's more fun if you listen to it before. But, you know, I think the WWE might have had interest just for poaching rights just to take the four EVPs from AEW. But I'm not really sure that would be best for business. And I don't think that they operate that way anymore. I think maybe 20 years ago, Vince would have done it just to be petty. Um, but especially, especially in the last couple of years, Hangman Page, no way would they put up with his nonsense. Um, he's too entitled. And the Bucks clearly want to be in control of things and they wouldn't be in control. The Bucks are not getting creative control. Probably no one's getting much creative control. Um, but the Bucks certainly wouldn't be. Um, and I don't think the Bucks versus the Usos are the big money you think it is. And frankly, the Usos are busy with something right now. Um, Kenny, yeah. I mean, Kenny could have a AJ Styles-like career, a Finn Balor-like career, and that's that's great. I think they might have had some interest in Kenny, but Kenny wasn't interested in leaving his friends. So, I, I, I mean, I don't think it's any big deal. Anyway, so in, in the interim, we learned last week that Kyrie Sane signed uh, with WWE, which is interesting in and of itself because when she left, everyone's like, she left in disgust. She hates it here. She abs- She's never coming back. WWE ruined American wrestling for her. I, I hope that when, when she's done with New Japan, she comes to AEW so that she can fa- fall in love with wrestling again. Well, she resigned with WWE. Shut up. <laughs> she, she left on good terms. I, I don't know what any of you are talking about. Oh, Brian Pellin Jr., he's the one that, that, that we think signed in, in the interim. Um, and he might be a min- Minneapolis Knight also. So the other one, Nick Aldis, apparently he agreed to terms with WWE. They keep tossing around the line as a producer role. Maybe he is. We, I know Bobby Roode's been working as a producer, you know, but he's injured. He's recovering from his second spinal fusion surgery. I, of course, have said many times that what's a, what's the best feud for Cody now? Because it's going to be a while before he can get back to to uh, to Roman. Nick Aldis. They they had some unfinished business. They battled over Sweet Charlotte. They they fought in the original All In. Um, it got personal. It's an easy story to tell. They're both well-dressed people who present well and think that they should be the face of a company, the franchise. They both were the face of their respective uh, companies. Um, and Nick Holtz, I believe, is 36 or 37. So he's he might even be a little bit younger than Cody. Um, and we've seen this doesn't necessarily mean that a wife comes along too. Um or a spouse. I mean, Chelsea Green is back, but Matt Cardona isn't. He's still a free agent. Um, but Nick Aldis, I don't really believe the producer line. I think that's smoke. I think that we're going to get what I want, uh, hopefully. Anyway, so anyway, back back to the match. So uh, I thought this was a great match. Cody won, of course. Um, and then we had the Battle Royal, 25-man uh, Slim Jim Battle Royal. Um, my pick to win wasn't even the Battle Royal. I, I thought that... Um, Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits would be in there and maybe with almost two. 
Um, I noted that the graphic at some point only had 24 heads, not a 25th. And I thought it was going to be Bobby um, because they've been putting him on SmackDown and we haven't seen him wrestle. And, you know, I'm a little bit in love. He's my bromance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it wasn't. It was almost. So uh, I, I obviously, when you know, I reached too far. Um, LA Knight seemed too obvious. Uh, and, you know, but I looked in there and didn't see any star power or people who needed it. You can say AJ's a star. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, there, there was, there was some, there was some top end talent, Austin theory with the U S title, but I, I, I Seamus, but I felt that like they were all involved in other things uh, that there's no reason for this. So um, once I saw that almost was 25, I, I knew that LA Knight was going to win. And he did. I love a battle Royal unless they're really, really bad. This was not really, really bad. This was a pretty good battle Royal. And LA Knight won, and you, LA Knight won, and you all know that I've been an LA Knight supporter for years, um, and kept saying he was going to be a star. He's going to be a star, um, and I might have even talked Steve into it. I think he even agrees with me. He probably does now. Uh, but so LA Knight won the battle royal, cool, and then we instantly see a commercial where he's in a Slim Jim commercial with Bianca Belair and also the uh, ghost of Randy Savage. So that was pretty cool. Um, then the next match was the MMA match between Sh- uh, Shayna and Ronda. Probably the less said about this match, the better. Uh, it was a worked MMA match with, as Chris Ams, one of my partners at the PWC, said, professional wrestling already is worked MMA, which was brilliant and succinct. Um, and it never really works out. And this really was no better. I didn't think it was as awful as other people thought it was. I mean, this is sort of exactly what I expected, except three or four minutes shorter. Um, so when it ended quickly, I was pleased. Anyway, it ended with Shayna, uh, choking out Rhonda and we hear that Rhonda, you know, may not be, she may be done with wrestling or if she comes back it maybe it'll be a surprise like the women's Royal Rumble or something like that. But, uh, if she's gone, bye-bye. Also heard a rumor that Nia Jax might be re-signing with the company. Well, Shayna and Nia Jax had a pretty good women's tag team. Kyrie Sane and Asuka had a pretty good women's tag team. You have the Unholy Union. You have K&K Dance Factory. You could put Candice uh, and Indy back together again. And you could probably fit together a few other teams and actually make them teams as opposed to just throwing folks together. But sometimes you make teams by throwing folks together. Um, but um, but you actually could have five real tag teams on on the roster with Raquel and Liv, when Raquel gets, when Liv recovers, if you want to come back with Chelsea and Sonia, if you want, when Sonia recovers or when Carmella, you know, gives birth successfully this time, uh, and then, you know, recovers and, and is ready to come back to work. You know, that, that, that would be great as well. Um, there's others, there's, there's others too that you can make do with, I mean, you know, love to see Mandy Rose come back and bring toxic attraction up. Um, you know, they're not doing anything particularly interesting on NXT separate. Um, some acts work together. The, the four horsemen were never anything without Ric Flair in the front. There's, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, anyway, so Shayna won. Bye-bye, Ronda. Um, then we had Gunther versus Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental title belt. This is a good match. Very good. Brutal, tough, hard-hitting but it was 14 minutes and, and Drew lost clean, which I guess is okay for Gunter, but it's weird. It's a little weird. 
I was expecting some sort of chicanery, either some sort of interference with Imperium, um, maybe a disqualification, maybe a double count out. Maybe the two of them were chopping each other outside of the ring and they lose count that they're both being counted out. Maybe they actually announced a time limit for this match and there'd be a time limit draw, even though I I was reminded that that they haven't used time limits in WWE in a long, long time. Um, I mean, again, good for Gunter, good match. I don't know what this this means for Drew. I mean, could it be that heel turn that he probably could use anyway? But I know he doesn't really want to do that, but maybe he's just saying it, you know? I mean, when the WWE folks give interviews, they're work interviews. They're they're not really telling you their heart. They're, I mean, there might be kernels in there, but like when Seamus was was saying, you know, that that Roma gets too much time, Seamus working. Seamus knows that, that, that he's on a short list of people that can be in a mini feud with Roman, you know, between now and WrestleMania. And that, you know, and, and he's got two, you know, he's got two guys in his group and, you know, Roman at any given time has a couple guys in his group, uh, sometimes more, maybe more to come. Who knows? Maybe less to come. Who knows? Um, but I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe Drew just uses the fact that he, you know, when he got knocked off the top turnbuckle and he landed, on his Magic Johnsons that, uh, you know, he just couldn't recover after that. Uh, maybe it's it's as simple as that. But it, it could fuel a heel, heel turn. That'd be fine also. But I was just surprised. I was surprised that he lost clean so quickly. And you know me. I don't want long matches. And, for, you know, 14 minutes isn't long. That, that That's perfect. Uh, but for these two guys, I, I would have expected at least 25 minutes before there was a clean win. Anyway, I'm repeating myself, so I'm going to stop. I was reminded recently that sometimes I talk a lot. Um, so the next match was the triple threat, Bianca Belair against Asuka, the champion, and Charlotte Flair. This match, the crowd was dead for it. Charlotte, this her, this whole turn back, I, I don't think she was planning to come back this quickly. She hasn't really seemed into it. Um, she wasn't very sharp. Anyway, the story was is that um, you know, you know, it was every person for themselves. Oscar was sort of lying in wait, letting Charlotte and Bianca, you know, beat each other up. At some point, uh, Bianca was flung over the ring. She banged her knee. Uh, they called medical out. Uh, she was limping. They were selling it like it was real. There was no X symbol, but it was pretty well done because one referee. The, the the match main referee, I think Jessica Carr, got back into the ring uh, only when the medical staff and another referee came out to, to check on Bianca. So maybe they didn't do the X uh, signal because it's it's a major show and you don't want the, the crowd and the Peacock audience to know someone really got hurt. Maybe. You can talk yourself into it. Bianca's selling it pretty well as she's you know, stumbling and limping and you know basically putting her all over weight on these folks as they're walking up the rampway. She's looking backwards earnestly, and maybe a little too earnestly. And at that point, I realized, yeah, this is what I thought it was. It's it's, it's a work. It's not a shoot, but it, it was pretty well acted. Anyway, she runs back in, and and, and basically she does a a move from the top rope, basically a four fifty. So I mean, you knew right then and there that, that she wasn't hurt. Anyway, at at some point, Charlotte's working that injured knee. Um, she puts on the figure eight. Bianca is writhing in pain. Asuka picks this moment to come back in and she blows the mist right into Charlotte's face while she's doing the figure eight. So Charlotte comes down, uh, you know, she, she's helpless. She's writhing in pain now because she's got mist in her eyes and Asuka thinks she's got Bianca where she wants her, but no, Bianca turns it around and gets a surprise win. One, two, three, Bianca wins with her, with a roll up. 
Um, and Bianca is now the three-time uh, women's champion, so good for her. Except the damage control music comes on. Actually, it's it's Io Sky's music coming out. And Bailey and Io come out running together in lockstep. All this dissension they've been teasing, there was none of it tonight. They were in lockstep. Um, Bailey takes the case from Io, and she uh, she takes out Charlotte with it. She takes out Asuka with it. She makes sure that the referee takes it and says, cash and cash. Or she gives it to Io, because I guess Io has to cash it in. And Io gets it to the referee and says, do you want cash in? Yes. And Io climbs up to the top rope, ring the bell, ring the bell. They ring the bell. She does her splash on a already prone um, Bianca Blair. And we have another new champion. So uh, Bianca Blair's third reign is a very short reign. Um, but, you know, after a hard fought, fought victory with a damaged knee and, and went through hell. So, yeah, she's still strong. And listen, everyone's making a big deal of it, but she's young. She's was the NXT Women's Champion. She's held uh, all of the WWE titles. She has the modern era record. She held the, the title for more than a year. It's fine. She's fine. Um, Charlotte doesn't care. I don't think she really wanted to be there at the, at the moment. And she, don't worry, she will break her father's record. She's got plenty of time. Um, and so, yeah, and, and her and Bailey are hugging. And surprise, Dakota Kai came in. She's still injured, but she came in, and they're all hugging, and they're all happy. So clearly, they're on the same page, you know, at least for the day. So no dissension and damage control. And by the way, I don't know how far away Dakota is from healing up, but, you know, Bailey and Dakota Kai is a possible tag team. Dakota Kai and Io Sky, if Io loses that title in the interim, they're another possible tag team. So there is a women's tag team division they can make if they want to. And since it's also the NXT women's tag team titles, you know, they, they have some tag teams down there as well. So, you know, if you actually start building six or seven tag teams down there and three or four of them are, are serviceable on the main roster, you know, th th then you actually have a real division and you can do some interesting things and it, and, and it could matter. I know a lot of people think there's too many titles already, but there's also too much talent for them to be doing nothing. I, th I think there should be a women's mid-card title. Um, I don't know, maybe call it the, you know, the Pan-Asian title, I, I don't know, instead of the European title um, or the equatorial title. I, I don't know, the latitude title. What It, it doesn't matter what the name is. Um, you know, so some of these other ladies have something to compete for. Um, all right. So that was that match. Uh, crowd popped like crazy for it, by the way. They were dead most of the rest, rest, rest of the match. Then we have Seth Rollins against Finn Balor, Judgment Day. Um, eh, really selling the thing that Finn was mad for seven years. He wasn't really mad the whole seven years, or at least we didn't know about it. I mean, he was demoted to NXT for a while. He was the NXT champion, I think, twice while he was down there. Broke his wrist. Uh, broke his, uh, wrist once maybe but it was his jaw twice I, I don't know whatever um this match was fine it was okay it's seth rollins and finn balor two guys i don't really much care about um crowd was dead until uh damian priest started making his way there and then from the other vantage point uh Rhea and dominic came you know they they've got the case dominica has his north american title they're making distractions Finn's not sure what to make of it, but Damien's like, no, we're here for you. We're here for you. Don't worry. I'm not cashing this in on you. Use the case against him. Use the case against him. But Finn doesn't trust him. Um, Priest is sort of disgusted with the whole thing. They try to distract to help Finn be able to use the case as a weapon, but he he bollockses it up. So Priest goes to the other side of, of the ring uh, while Rhea and Dom are distracting the ref and Seth knocks 
uh, he knocks uh, Dom out, of course, you know, and then Rhea goes to care for Dom. Seth and Rhea are getting physical. She doesn't block the ring or anything. While distracted, Damian Priest rolls the case in there for presumably for Finn to use, but Finn just sort of leaves it there. He doesn't really know what's going on. He doesn't turn his back. But when, when Seth comes in, he sees it and positions himself to do a curb stomp to Finn's head on the the case itself, and then he retains. So the case, which was there to help Finn, uh, backfired uh, the way they played it out. Some people th- didn't like this. They didn't think it was choreographed. Well, I thought it was choreographed really well. I mean, it seemed very clear to me the priest was sincere and he was trying to help Finn, and that Finn, because because he didn't trust, because he didn't because he didn't believe the Judgment Day was for them all, because he's still thinking as an individual which was, if you remember the origins of Judgment Day, that was why they kicked out Edge, right? Because they were all they were all co-leaders. There was no leader. They were all equal. Because um, Finn then didn't believe that he was Gollum, you know, uh, my precious, my precious. You know, his, his greed got the best of him and his suspicion. Um, and, and Seth took advantage of it. And, uh, you know, he got out and still kept his title, which, you know, I, I got that one right, of course. Um and, you know, of course, the tension and the dissension between Judgment Day will continue. Will it blow up tonight on Raw? Probably. I don't know. Maybe they could probably make it wait another week or so. But um, so that was that. And then you had your main event, Roman Reigns against Jey Uso in Tribal Combat. Tribal Combat involved a tribal warfare. It was neither tribal nor warfare. It was just, a, a, you know, no disqualification weapons match. Um, they didn't even try to put tribal looking weapons there. They didn't, you know, try to look up weapons of Samoan tribes or the Polynesian or whatever. I mean, it was kendo sticks, chairs, tables, a, a leather strap at some point. I mean, you know, the second time in a row where Paul Heyman cut a promo, how vicious Roman Reigns is going to be and, and how he's not responsible for anything Roman does. Roman Reigns is responsible for what he's going to do. He's going to unleash hell. And last time it was the same sort of slow plotting pace. That was the tag match with, with Solo. And this was the same thing. Slow plotting. You know, it didn't, didn't seem like there was any urgency. There was no viciousness, nothing like that. Um, and... Again, no, no elders, no, no, Rikishi, Tonga Kid, Afonsika weren't ringside. Rock's mother not ringside. They didn't get the other Uso brothers in there. They didn't fly in Umaga's kid. Nothing, nothing. No, no clever vignettes about it. They just showed us some of the ones that they did on the SmackDown the night before, which was a pretty good vignette. But they probably should have done it earlier. I still have my hope that someone out there is saying to them. You know, you can do better with this. And maybe, you know, Survivor Series, it's during Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner. They get the family together. You know, the, there's a whole tribal thing. The elders are there. They get the bloodline back together or they tell them how they're going to uh, resolve this one way or another, you know, uh, you know, for better or for worse. Or, you know, th- this ends it all or whatever, you know, whatever the case might be. Anyway, slow and plotting. Um at some point, Solo Sokoa, who Jay supposedly took out the night before, shows up when Roman and Jay are fighting in the crowd. Um, Solo beats up Jay, and they're dragging Jay's prone body. That turns out to be too difficult, so they fire him and carry him back to the ring. Um, they're about to 
unleash some more havoc on him, but Jay makes a couple of comebacks, uh, knocks him out, and eventually gets the upper hand on Roman and delivers a splash, and it looks like he's going to uh, you know, get the win, and the crowd went quite wild for the for this part. As soon as they went into the into the uh, into the crowd to fight in the crowd, and from that point on, the crowd was wild, and the crowd was wild for the entrances. Just during the match, they were they had lost all their steam, and I don't blame them. Not because it was late, because the the, the match was not what was advertised. Anyway, um, so somebody comes out of the crowd with a hoodie, and he pull he holds he holds Jay so that he can't. Roman, he can't he can't launch his attack on a on a prone Roman. Um, it's pretty obvious from the body type that it was Jimmy Uso. I'm saying they're hoping beyond hope that it's anybody else. Who could it be? Is it Umaga's kid? Did, did they somehow get Jacob Fatu? Did is it is it is it Zion Quinn? Which I, who cares? He's Samoan. Just anything new? No, it was he takes his hood off and it was Jimmy and he's not doing much of anything. And then he sort of super thrust kicks Jay in the head. Um, you know, throws him back into the ring for Roman to to get the win. But Roman's looking at Jimmy and like acting like he didn't know this was going to happen. Solo seems like he's surprised. No one knew it was going to happen. It wasn't a plan. Paul Heyman's looking surprised. So is it that Jimmy came home, or is it that that the the Jimmy when he was injured, the, the elders said to him, "Listen, Jimmy, we were testing Jay, and he's fouling, but you you can stop this. We have a tribal chief." He's the chief. You must make sure he keeps keeps up. Is that what they're going to say, or is Jimmy going to do one of these things? Jay, when when I was injured, I'm your brother. You you barely checked on me. All you cared about was being made an event. Jay Uso, you wanted to be the champion. Roman's right. You're just you know everyone here is out for themselves. At least he's the chief. At least I can respect that. I, I you know or, or one of those things. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. There's plenty of people trying to say how it made sense. I thought it was terrible. I have to be honest. I thought it was terrible. doesn't mean that they can't pull out a halfway decent story or a decent story. doesn't mean I won't love what's going on in a month. It, it, it doesn't mean that this was terrible, but they will do things that make it good again. Um, but in the moment, I, I thought this was terrible. I really was hoping it was someone new, something new. Um, at least we know that the injury for Jimmy was a worked injury all along or was very minor. Any, in any event, that's how the show ends. That, that There's your SummerSlam. Um, some tidbits in the world of wrestling. Um, the YouTube shows continue to be doing terrible. NWA, uh, right now they're being beating MLW. Uh, just a f- I think last as of last show, MLW was typically being M- NWA, but the last three weeks for MLW was 20,000, 20,000, and 26,000. And I'm going in descending order. So the one that's 26,000 has been on YouTube for three weeks. The one, the second 20,000 has been on for two weeks. The other 20,000 has been on for, you know, uh, well, is this, this is my, for, for half a week. NWA, the last three shows, 31,000, 38,000, and 38,000. And there was a fourth show that sort of also seems like it's in three weeks. Well, not to worry. You don't need to worry, you know, which if I got the right week or not, because that one is also at 38,000. Um, so this, these shows, you know, we're, we're topping off higher than that, you know, 40, 50,000 a, a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, as, as little as a year ago, sometimes they would get to 100 or even cross 100. But they, you know, they, they get 60, 70, 80,000 um, 
you know, they just keep doing worse and worse and worse. The last Dark Side of the Ring, I think, was the Bam Bam Bigelow episode that I saw was 185,000. Some of the Stone Cold episodes that I saw were, uh, um, they, they sort of hover around 200, 205, somewhere around there. Um, the most recent Battle of the Belts was 524,000. That seems like forever ago. Um, Dynamite. Um, after dropping for a little bit, it, it had that uh, blood and gut surge to 953,000, which was 128,000 surge. And they seem to keep some of its instant. Listen, I, I was I thought that they would take a bunch of dives after that. And they didn't. They did 898 two weeks ago and 894 uh, this past week. I mean, is it down? Yes. Is it over 900? No. Is it over a million? No. Um, but I think some of the people who are sort of were in the CM Punk crowd have come back. Um, maybe it's because there's not much new TV on, you know, maybe the strike. Um, who, who knows what it is? But uh, anyway, those are the numbers. Uh, impact, which is sort of an interesting story. It's been going up. It, four weeks ago, it was at 122, uh, with, which was a loss of 29,000. Then it went back up to 128. Then it went down to 111,000. But then two weeks ago, 155,000. I don't have what it was for the most recent Thursday. So today is uh, August 7th. So you can, and that's Monday. So 6th, 5th, 4th, 3rd. So I don't have the 3rd yet. New Japan, I also now have the 3rd for that, but that was 53,000, 56,000, 63,000, 61,000, the, the last five of the last six weeks. Not terrible, not great. Um, SmackDown has been... Uh, in the twos uh, for four of the last five weeks, the only week there wasn't in over the twos was the week it was on FS1, where it was 1.230. That was that apparently is a record for FS1. Okay, as well. Uh, anyway, in the other four weeks, the bookend two weeks, they've been as high as 2.56, um, and the lowest was the, the go-home show, 2.248. I think people have figured out that maybe they don't need to be watching the go-home shows anymore. They're not that important. Um, Rampage, the last four weeks, 368,000, 310,000, 315,000, 324,000, uh, which was down 91,000. Now, this week, this past week, this Friday, I have a fifth, 434,000, which is not great, but it, it was a rebound. Um, and I'm not really sure what that's all about. Um the 400 and they've had some gimmick matches on here. Um, the, 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 you know, they've had like the Royal rampage and they had, uh, some, some trios matches and then things that were done thing, things that they would try to drive people to view rather than sort of the mishmash that rampage has often been. So they have been trying to get people to watch it. So if you consider 434 a success, then, then mission accomplished. They, they, their shows have been somewhat better on Rampage. Not a lot, but it it doesn't feel like main event anymore. Um, but it's it's still uh, pretty inconsistent. Collision. Um, going back the last five weeks, 580,000, 579,000, 618,000. And then the week that Adam Cole and MJF were on, 739,000. A lot of people are crediting that to the main event, Adam Cole and MJF versus FTR for the titles. Everyone was expecting a turn. We didn't get one. Um, and I think they're right. I think people did tune in partly for that. But I think also the fact that Adam Cole and MJF had a prominent role on Collision also gave tacit p permission to the 
elite AEW fans, the people who are on Team Elite, it gave them permission to watch Collision again. Now, this past week, Collision went up against SmackDown. I only have the Fast Nationals. The, uh, the final numbers will come out tomorrow. They're often lower. The Fast Nationals are often lower by about 4 or 5% than the, than the final. So the Fast National was 388. If you assume it's off by 5%, uh, that means that it, it, it'll turn up being 420 or so, which is a disaster. If it's 4%, a little bit less than that. Every now and then, the Fast National is exactly right. And there have been rare occasions where it's highs. Anyway, it's obviously not a good number. I think that should tell people that not all AEW fans hate WWE, and not all WWE fans hate AEW, is clearly there's an overlap there. Uh, whether it's two or 300,000, I'm not sure. You know, just on live broadcasts alone, you know, the people who probably watch both on other devices, you know, YouTube and all the other things I'm told I should pay more attention to, but don't because all the money comes from TV. But, um, you know, obviously there's a pretty significant base. If it's 300,000, that's that's a third of the AEW audience. Uh, also watches WWE. Doesn't bode well for Collision once a month. That's faux show. Um, Raw the last uh, four weeks, basically been doing around 1.8. The most recent show actually was lower. It was 1.759. Uh, still in the family, but it was a drop of 60,000, which is semi-significant. Also, it was a go-home show. Um, I guess when people, when there's a PLE, Maybe they figure that's enough wrestling, or maybe because NXT was their PLE was the night before, and you know, maybe people just need you know, there just might be too much wrestling, people have to pick and choose. But uh, I have a feeling for go home show weeks, they're, they're not feeling that they're very imperative anymore because the pre show will catch you up on everything. Frankly, in the show, it will catch you up on everything. Um, NXT, speaking of that, the last few weeks, 671, 746, 703, and 717. So you know, it a little bit up and down, but this this coordination and cross marketing with main event talents from Dominic Mysterio and Rhea and Judgment Day and Baron Corbin being down there, you know, Dana Brooke even like I don't know who to give credit to. Los Lotharios, um, Gable Stevenson's been on a little bit. People are probably curious about him, um, and it's just sort of and you know if people checked out a couple times, they probably realize it's sort of a fun, easy, nice show to watch and. The men's division has improved with more of the main roster talent on it, even going back to Dijak, who's a fixture there. Um, but, yeah, but the women's division really kicks ass. Anyway, that's, that is the ratings. Um, when we talked about the Lefisto thing and all that, going back to that, it was sort of interesting as to who didn't come to AEW's defense. I'm not sure about, you know, the Mercedes Martinez's and the Chris Statlanders of the world's be frank, I, I don't know. I don't know what Sky Blue said or didn't say. I, I didn't see anything from Layla Gray or Kiara Hogan. But Jade Cargill was completely silent on it. And Jade Cargill is arguably their biggest female star. If she's not the biggest, she's in the top three after Britt Baker and, you know, Soraya, I guess. Um, you know, whoever you want. Um, but Jade Cargill said nothing. And, you know, there's been talk that maybe she's leaving. Um, I don't know. Don't don't know. Could be storyline, but she she didn't tweet anything to AEW's defense, and I found that to be very interesting. All right, a couple other things. Teddy Hart, he was arrested uh, about two weeks ago with uh, two felony drug charges. Not really true. AEW filed a trademark for something called AEW Plus, 
I assume that's going to be a streaming service. Maybe it'll merge with with Honor Club. Uh, that's probably where you might see pay-per-views and, and things like that, maybe for less than $60 a month because Warner Brothers Discovery apparently wants AEW to do more pay-per-views. But that price point is pretty tough, especially once a month. Um, I know everybody's heard that Max is going to do sports. I know that Max put out a statement recently saying they are now positioned to air live sports. They've done it before. They've had some trouble, but they're now positioned to do so. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I still, all of my information and all of my instincts tell me Max has wants nothing to do with wrestling. Then again, people do remind me that they have the Harley Quinn cartoon on there. So, yeah, that's one of the best shows on TV. Um, all right. More people in AEW seem to be getting back office jobs. I don't really think they're doing anything. I think they just get benefits, health insurance, uh, you know, through that. Um, there was some news about Matt Riddle, you know, that they're deep pushing him because they, they're they not sure he's, you know, quite on the straight and narrow, that he might be more trouble than he's worth. Duh. We talked about those in the show. Oh, Dave Meltzer, who doesn't report any Ring of Honor pay-per-view buys, doesn't report solid numbers for aw pay-per-view buys doesn't report any nwa pay-per-view buys doesn't report really generally any impact pay-per-view buys did report that slammiversary this year did 4400 buys which is more than three times the year before so last year slammiversary 2022 did 1300 pay-per-view buys that's their wrestlemania of the year this year 2023 4400 and that's good news i remember when kenny omega's first pay-per-view appearance on impact and they they did nine times what they did before 10 times and it turned out to be 9400 and 9800 buys total which meant that impact was doing an average of less than a thousand pay-per-view buys a show which seems like that's probably what they're doing now you know maybe it's more like a, a thousand or whatever but if slam gets 1300 you you know their lesser shows probably get you know presumably will get less but if you know everything is proportionate then you know they're getting 4400 for their biggest show maybe they're getting 3,000, 3,500 for others. I don't know. I, all I, the main thing to take of this is that I'm not sure if I would call that success, but that Dave Meltzer and others at his network and in other networks, they know exactly the pay-per-view buys for every show, and they're not reporting because they're bad. They know exactly how many subscribers there are to Honor Club and New Japan World, and they don't report it because they know the numbers are bad. Um, all right. Other interesting information? There's news out there that Fox has said no to SmackDown. We're not giving you your two times raise. We're losing money on you. Go elsewhere. Maybe it's a negotiating tactic. Maybe it's real. Who knows? Opinions differ. We'll find out in the future. Um, but I'm not shocked. I, I predicted this, there'd be a, a sports rates bubble and it would burst and wrestling might be the first victim. I predicted on Hammerlock Hangover. Um, so we'll see. Uh AEW, tip as it is wont to do, did a whole lot of signings. By the way, we have we seen Kota Ibushi since the since one appearance since the pay per view he was on. Uh, Roosh resigned with AEW. Uh, Kip Sabian resigned with AEW. The Dark Order, which I assume is Evil Uno, um, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds resigned with AEW. Uh, Dustin Reynolds, I'm assuming all of these things are three-year contracts. I really don't know. They don't give a lot of information. Also, Eric Young was reincarnated and, and re-signed with Impact. Um, and the Elite re-signed with AEW. I think we talked about that already. Ian Riccoboni also got more of a full-time gig with AEW. Chris Hero apparently is a producer. I don't know if he's doing anything or not. And there's been a host of injuries. Just a lot of injuries. 
Rey Mysterio got whiplash. Steve Macklin got a, a serious injury. Uh, Bailey has been injured. She can come on TV, but she hasn't been working. We talked about Liv Morgan. We talked about Sonya Deville. Um, Mark Briscoe had a knee surgery. He was pulled from the main event. We have no information on that. Pack took his place. Apparently, he got injured again, uh, and they made a big deal about it that he couldn't be in the uh, in the in in a match with Death Triangle. The way they announced it was ridiculous. There was there was a one of those parking lot brawls uh, between uh, the. Blackpool Combat Club and Best Friends. Um, but there were only two members of each team, best the, the Best Friends and the, uh, Cesaro, I'm sorry, Claudio and, and uh, Mox. We didn't see Willa Yuta and Orange Cassidy until later. And I guess the reason for that was that the, the Death Triangle, which was now the Death Duo, challenged the winners of this for reasons we don't know. And earlier in that same show, episode of Rampage, we found out that Isaiah Cassidy and Ethan Page weren't cleared to wrestle. So... The tag team partners of Jeff and Matt Hardy were Keith Lee. They dusted him off. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's it just, just weird. But there's just been a ton of injuries. Elton Prince, uh, um, Kevin uh, Kevin Owens uh, is still dealing with his injury. Just this, this injuries left and right going on. Um, titles, Julia won the New Japan Strong title from Willow who was never really supposed to have it anyway, anywhere. Uh, still no word on when Mercedes Monet will start wrestling again. Uh, Trinity is the Impact Women's Champion. That's sort of old news at this point. Is that helping with their resurgence? Maybe. I don't know. Um, ooh. Yeah, a bunch of titles and Impact changed, but we don't really follow them. Um, Aussie Open, or Aussie Open. I'm not even sure I'll say it. Aussie, Aussie. Uh, are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. So, of course, we saw them defend their belts on an AEW show against a team that we don't know why. And the Kingdom, apparently, is, although they're signed to Ring of Honor, we now see them on an AEW show. So what am I supposed to say here? Brian uh, Danielson had surgery on his arm, and Vince McMahon, as we talked about, he had spinal surgery as well. Uh, all in. It's finally going to be on regular pay-per-view. It's going to be on regular on-demand, in addition to uh, BR Live. So... I don't know why I took this long, but it's been done. And so you can watch all in on pay-per-view and they're starting to put together a card. Doesn't look like that great a card, but I think they heard that and they're starting to improve it. So it sounds like we might get FTR versus the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. We might get CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Um, They're talking about Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho. But of course, people will also report Jack Perry against RVD, uh, which is supposed to be on Dynamite this week. Maybe it'll be both. I don't know. Um... So there are some other matches that are they're listed and rumored. I strongly suspect that the new women's champion, Sheeta, will be facing Soraya and probably lose in London to Soraya. Um, no idea about Chris Statlander, though it, it seems like she's going to be in a program with Diamante, maybe? Or maybe you'll continue with Mercedes Martinez. I'm, I'm, I'm not really clear. Uh, Buff Bagwell joining Teddy Hart in the arrested and buff bagwell as we know he was making a recovery and he was off he was off the wagon or he was on the wagon now he's off the wagon whatever the bad one is he, he seems to have fallen back off the wagon um zicky dice done with uh impact as well left the same time as nick all nick aldis uh, mark Cardo- matt cardona is with mlw again those are not generally long-term contracts and by the time you hear this his taping period might have already been over, so who knows? It's 
It's a very strange world these days in wrestling. A lot more short-term contracts and short-term deals. Um, I'm going to finish up with uh, the second quarter WWE filings. Actually, that's when we found out about the search warrant on Vince McMahon, and they said we don't think it's going to impact shareholder value. Last I checked, the shareholder, the the cost per share was 105 bucks. so I guess they're right. But they did $410 million in revenue this past quarter, which is a record. It, it beat this the same quarter last year by 25%. And they're over budget in building the new headquarters. And they had less revenue from merchandise because they switched over from WWE Shop Zone to Fanatic. So, of course, there's a lag and a drag with that. Everything else is up. Attendance, live, live show revenue, um, uh, ticket sales, um, ratings, in-show sponsorships. Obviously, we talked about the Slim Jim Battle Royal. There was Rocket Mortgage all over um, the arena. Um, so whether you like that stuff or not, the, the NASCARization of WWE continues. Um, obviously, you know about cricket and the progressive show flow and all of that other stuff. So they're making money despite the headquarters being $30 million over budget and, and counting, and, and there being dips in, in the merchandise due to uh, you know closing that one store and transitioning to another store, and that, that's to be expected. So... They keep money, making money, maybe despite themselves, and they're breaking records. Uh, Detroit was a, an arena record in revenue. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, so I guess all in, great, but, uh, you know, that's one show, and AW is not able to consistently sell 5,000 tickets for its Dynamites and Collisions. Usually, it's closer to four, oftentimes under. Uh, and I think their whole house show thing, remember they, they were calling them house rules? I haven't heard anything about any more of those, so I don't know if that was considered a failure. I, I don't think it was ever con- just going to be a short-term thing, but it seems to be on hiatus, uh, whatever that means. Anyway, listen, an hour and 20 minutes. I'm out of things to talk about, I think. Uh, hopefully this show will go up. I'm relying on Steve, who's uh, out of town, to edit this and get this up timely, and then I'll put it up in the PwC, uh, hopefully the same day, so you hopefully you'll all get this soon. Um, and if soon enough, I'm supposed to be doing a show with Andrew Carluck this Wednesday on his show, False Count Radio. You can find that on the Wrestling Soup Network, but it's False, F-A-L-S-E, Count Radio, not False Count. Um, Andrew Carluck is one of the original uh, hosts of Wrestling Soup, so it's really cool that he's having me as a guest host on his show. He's doing rotating guest hosts, of which I might be uh, in a regular rotation. We'll see. We were supposed to do it last week, but uh, he had a personal matter he had to attend to, so we're doing it this week, hopefully, and uh, hopefully that'll be a cool show, and I've never... He's been a guest on our show, but I've never done a show with him one by one, and he's he's even saltier and more negative than I am, so uh, yeah, I'm going to be the positive one, which sometimes I am with Steve, but you know, but you know, Steve, he's like a character. He's like Steve Colbert. Um, so anyway, check that stuff out. Check me out on the PWC and the Hami Media Group, um, Wrestling Soup Network. Uh, and please check out Garden Doom, Garden Views. Dropped a great show uh, this week on Voodoo, Voodoo Visions, with the first Caucasian, uh, Haitian-initiated Voodoo priestess. Um, she does other things. So we hear about her story and, and we talked about Kabbalah and a whole lot of other things. It was really very interesting. And tomorrow I'm going to uh, release a garden views on, um, had a conversation with a gentleman who 
who's trying to figure out a way to bring civility back to politics and society. And, and we had sort of a conversation about that and uh, hopefully you find it enjoyable. And, you know, I've got tons of shows coming up the Garden of Doom. Like I finally got Aboriginal uh, folklore experts to agree to come on the show. I'm getting Graham Phillips to come out on the show to talk about Doggerland. Um, it's, it's just, I, I, you know, George Mitrovic's going to come back. I'm talking to Professor Robert Temple about coming back. Um, Michael York, Professor Michael York's coming back. We're, 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 we're cooking with gas. And uh, Professor DiGennaro is going to be back on uh, Garden Views uh, about a month or so. And uh, Mike Hilliard from the Red Line podcast, we're talking about warfare and space. I mean, what's more exciting than that? So check out all the other shows. Subscribe, download. You can find all my shows on the PWC. You can find uh, the, any non-PWC shows on the Wrestling Soup Network. You can, of course, subscribe to all of them individually, except for Garden Views, which is on the Garden of Doom feed. Um, and if you have, and if you have extra money, you know, be a Patreon of Wrestling Soup. I am. I have been for years. Um, it's probably going on eight years. I've been a Patreon of Wrestling Soup. Um, you know, be a Patreon of uh, the Hami Media Group. You know. Not only do you get my the shows I do with the other fellows from the PWC and, and Sinister Master John Enright, but you get the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hamim, but it's with Channel Attitude. So you get Vince Russo, you get Stevie Richards, I mean, Rip Rogers, you get Jamie the Vet Williams. They, 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 they have Big Ray Hernandez, uh, Colin Wysong, Billy Ray Valentine. The, the, the list goes on and on. April Hunter, there's... there's so many people on that show, and some and some people like Big Vito Lagrassa shows up sometimes. Uh, they've had Conan, uh, um, Al Snow, or Aaron Stevens used to have a show there. May again, who knows? I mean, there's it's it's actually probably really worth your five dollars. Um, anyway, you can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at IcarusFellMD. I gave you the other information, so thank you for putting up with the solo show. I hope it was not terrible. See y'all and stay evil, my friends.